0: Listening to the Streak Center podcast, and welcome in, folks, to another edition of the Streak Center podcast. I am your host Noah Taluki, and joining me this week, back for his second episode, is freshman Brendan Kantz, and a newbie on Streak Center, finally trying to get him into the fold. Brendan's buddy. From Saint Ignatius High School here in Cleveland, fre- fellow freshman as well, Danny Gibble. Guys, welcome in, Danny. So great to have you here on this uh, on your debut of Streak Center, and uh, really happy uh, you can finally join us and get into the fold of this here in the second semester.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so great to be here. I've heard wonderful things about the Streak Center podcast, and excited to be a part of it.
0: And Brendan, welcome back uh, as always as well. As uh, we got we got Super Bowl weekend uh, coming up this week, Eagles and Chiefs. We got four John Carroll uh, graduates, Uh, three actually. One uh, is was a former coach here uh, that will be in it. We will talk about them a little bit later. As well, also, Hallie Landis, junior on the women's basketball team. She will join us later on to talk about their season uh, and in her career so far at John Carroll as well. But I want to get into men's basketball first. And this men's team, they are rolling. Still, as usual, 12 straight wins. 20-2 and two is their overall record. They've gotten to 20 wins now for the first time since my freshman year. 2017-2018. Yeah. You know what they did for that that year? They won the OAC and made the Sweet 16. So, could this team be destined for greater things? I think they are rolling at this point, and I think that it's a real possibility. That's for sure. Like I mentioned, 12 straight wins. They had a big win over Marietta on Senior Day when Eric Hanna and William Wallace were honored before the game. They won that one 89-75 against a Pioneer team, not looking like the same Marietta team like, like, like we usually see. Really down year for them overall, but still... A, a really good game, as it always is, and then Otterbine fending off the OAC scoring champion right now, Cam Evans. He averages eighteen a game. He only got seven, mm. and a seventy nine fifty two victory over the Cardinals as well. And in Otterbine, one of, uh, one of the top four teams in the OAC, but Blue Streaks fended them off. Guys, I know, I know you guys were both there yesterday or on Wednesday, I should say, at uh, at the game. But I mean, overall. Blue streaks, I think, flex their muscles. I know they didn't really shoot well, uh, as, as well as they sh- as they probably can, uh, especially from beyond the arc. But, um, you know, a, a team that mm-hmm. fended off, you know, some, some guys who can really score. And, and really, I think they really made Otterbein play at their pace. And uh, Otterbein had played catch up the whole game.
2: Yeah. And I know you talked about that, that, Noah, getting off to kind of a slow start offensively. But the defense really just made up for that. I mean, this is a team just so great offensively with. Luke Frazier and Shinkone both top ten in the OAC in scoring. But, I mean, just on the defensive side, that game early on forced six turnovers in the first three minutes. And from that point on, they really just never looked back. Um, I mean, they've you've seen how great this team is offensively, but just the defensive side is even more impressive. And I think that's just what um, shows how much of a complete team they are. And that's just a part of how dangerous this team is going to be going into OAC play.
1: Yeah, the men's team, like you said, they're just so dangerous, especially defensively. They don't get enough credit for their defense. And last night, I was I was on I was court side, so I got to kind of see a different dynamic than I typically see up at the broadcast. And just seeing how the guys are constantly talking on the floor, like the communication. I know um, Connor O'Toole, especially, was always yeah. talking with guys, kind of uh, coordinating traffic around the court. It's just so cool to see how this team is all bought in to the same vision of basketball because no one's really seeing an outlandish number of minutes. There's not a set five that is sort of way up in minutes. It's cool to see guys coming off the bench. Like, Will Yontek came off the bench yesterday, and he's good enough to probably start at a number of teams in the OAC, but he's here, he's coming off the bench, and he's still being a major contributor.
0: You know, you you mentioned about Connor O'Toole, Danny, and, you know, he picked up some quick fouls to begin the second half, and then he had to kind of sit the rest of the game, but, you know, that's that's why he only saw eight minutes in the game, but a guy that has started, you know, in the starting lineup this year, and... You know what? He's a guy that doesn't really. You talk about the communication that he has doesn't really show up on the stat sheet. You want to know his stats from this past game? Zero points. Didn't even shoot a single shot. No rebounds. No assists. No. I mean, (laughs) and it's just you know, and he's he's in the starting lineup. So people might think, well, you know, if this guy can't even get a stat on the stat sheet, why is he in the starting lineup? But. His presence on the court goes way, way, way beyond, uh, you know, any statistical, uh, you know, feat for sure. And you talk about the communication, and you know, he's like, he's like a glue guy. I mean, that's that's what Mike Patterson, who, who was doing the broadcast with me on Wednesday, that's how that's how he described his former teammate Conor O'Toole. And I think that's a perfect way to describe him. You need every good team needs someone like that, and the Blue Streaks are certainly in their own right as well.
2: Yeah. And and I- uh- When you you think about it, it's really quite remarkable with all the transfers and all the first years, how well this team communicates already and just how much of a sense of just a complete team they are and how connected they are on the court. It's just really such a great thing to see after only really one year of these guys all playing together. And I think it just could be attributed to to coaching and just the whole team um, really just playing together.
0: And I know defense, you know, you guys talk about how they don't really get a whole lot of credit. And uh, for the defense, Chase Toppin, one of the best defenders on the team. You know, he's a guy that he, you know, is very pesky on defense. Same with Jerry Higgins. who uh, Jerry Higgins, of course, comes off the bench. But Chase Toppin, a guy, I think some people forget that this guy averaged about 19 points a game last year in his eight games that he played for the Blue Streaks before a season-ending knee injury. He's a guy that, you know, came off the bench at the beginning of the year, but worked his way into the starting lineup once the Blue Streaks kind of got set with with the, the the ten guys that they wanted to roll with, and he had a good he had a good night offensively, fourteen points, a, a game high for JCU, six of twelve shooting. So I think it just I think Chase's performance last night proves that anyone can go off, and and you know Luke Frazier was the two time OAC Player of the Week before this week. Uh, defending always you know he, he had an off night. Seven, only seven points, three of twelve shooting. But this, te- I feel like this team is so deep and so good that even if their best player Luke Frazier is having an off night, or um, you know other guys like like Luke Chacon didn't really shoot as well as he usually does. Not you know he only sh- attempted one three as well. Uh, even if these guys are a little off their game, there's other guys like Chase Toppin and, I mean, Henry Rayner with 12 points, 8 rebounds. There's other guys that can pick up the slap yeah. for these guys uh, when, when they're having an off night.
2: Yeah, And uh, the defensive intensity just gets the teams early. I mean, we saw Streaks went out to an early 6-0 lead. Um, they called a timeout with, yeah. within the first two <laughs> minutes of that game. Um, and that just showed. I mean, you'd never see teams calling a timeout that early, and you could tell. That the Cardinals were just flustered immediately and knew something had to change or it was going to get bad quick, and it—that's what ended up happening. But just the defense was just so good last night.
0: And I thought I, I thought it would be a really kind of like a close game because you know Otterbein coming in as one of the top four teams in the OAC, and you know the, they had allowed the Blue Streaks to shoot fifty-four percent the last time they played them, fifty-seven from deep as well, and I, I just kind of thought that. You know that they would have a, maybe a little bit better of a game plan and, and and all that as well, but it just I think just the Blue Streaks were just too much for them, and and I know that they held the Blue Streaks in shooting. I mean, only thirty percent from the field, uh, or I'm sorry, thirty eight percent from the field, eighteen percent from deep. Um, you know, not the numbers that the Blue Streaks are accustomed to, but I just still think that it, it was just more so like that team effort, and like we talked, what you talked about, Brendan, the defensive effort. I think that was really really key I think this it was the same sort of deal with the Marietta game on Saturday I think and a team a Marietta team that loves to shoot and has a lot of size typically but this year uh, the shots haven't really fallen they were I believe 8% less shooting from the field than they were last year and not as many big guys and I think John Carroll's dominated Inside in the paint uh, against against the pioneers, I think that 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 game is what led to that win uh, for John Carroll in in a in a, in a big rivalry game against uh, Marietta as well. But this this uh, upcoming week is going to be the last week of the regular season mm-hmm. for JCU. Final three games, they have a tough tough trip down seventy one to I thirty to Ada, Ohio, as they'll play ONU. This Saturday, February 11th at 2 p.m. And then they'll head to Bolton wallace Berea, the Crosstown Rivalry at 7 p.m. on February 15th, a Wednesday. And then they'll go on the road again, down 71 to Wilmington, the furthest drive of any team in the OAC by John Carroll. That'll be a 2 p.m. tip on Saturday, February 18th. So all three on the road as John Carroll has finished up its regular season home games in the, the OAC tournament. That'll start February 23rd.
2: Uh, Undefeated home record.
0: Yes, 12-0, one of only, I believe, four or five teams to ever be undefeated at home in John Carroll history. So protecting the DeCarlo Center. I know that's something that the men's and women's basketball teams both take a lot of pride in, is making sure that they win those home games uh, as well. And speaking of women's basketball, and of course, just a reminder, we will have Hallie Landis uh, coming on the podcast later on, member of the women's basketball team. Just been an up and down year. And, you know, they, they've lost two straight now 11 and 10 overall, 6 and 8 in OAC play, losing to Marietta on senior day, 75 66, and then a nail biter against Otter by just a heartbreaker, 62 to 61 at the end there. And,. I mean, watch, watching them play against Marietta, uh, you could just... I mean, I think there was times that you could just see that, you know, the lack of inexperience, or the lack of experience, I should say. And I think just overall, just it, that's kind of just been the story of their season. Just not enough not enough older players, uh, just a lot of youngsters. But as Hallie will mention later, just talk about how you know, she's there to mentor them and, and, and guide them uh, for, the, for the coming years. Uh, but in senior day, as I mentioned, Jalen... Hoffman, Kalen Underwood, and Christina Passerell were uh, all honored before the game as well.
2: Yeah. Uh, women's basketball team, I know it's hard hard to criticize them at all just for the youth and experience, but the, the, issue, the one issue I think is just uh, getting off to slow starts, but other than that, they've been really good and just looked so encouraging recently. Um, against Marietta, that was a game where in the first half just looked like that one might have been a blood on not a, coming out on our end. Um, but they came back and ended up getting that to a one-point game in the second half, which is unfortunately, even though it see, it was just a little bit too much of too little too late, um, just a really encouraging finish to that one. And then even this Otterbein one, they outscored Otterbein in every quarter after the first, except for the third quarter. Each team had 16 points, so that was tied. But they outscored the Cardinals 19 to 15 in the fourth quarter and 15 to 14 in the second. Just a, just the first quarter. Um, when they got outscored seventeen to eleven, was really the difference in that game. But the way they've been playing in the second second half the second half of these games has been super encouraging, um, and is a good sign for good things to come here in the future for this young team.
1: It's definitely been sort of this thing all season. Like we we talk so much about the youth of this team only two seniors and then one graduate transfer. It's it's so tough for them to I feel like to put together a complete game because we've seen flashes sort of all year long. One game I remember was Capital a couple weeks ago. John Carroll allowed twelve points in the first half, and they were up thirty-one to twelve at the end of the first half. Again mm-hmm. against a capital team that beat them by thirty earlier in the season, yeah. and then they sort of faded in the second half. And Capital made it a game, but then they were able to close it out. But just the the fight and the dog is there with this yeah, women's team, definitely. and the young the guy the young girls on this team rather. They have kind of experienced what it's like to win close games, but they've also experienced what it's like to lose close games. Yeah. So I think that experience that they're gaining now is going to prove so valuable. Maybe not this year, but it's definitely going to pay off for them in the
0: years to come.
2: Yeah, that consistency is going to come with experience, like you said. So definitely just very encouraging to see the way they've responded to adversity in these games.
0: Looking at the OAC standings right now, this year it's only a top. It's only the top six that go. So the one and two seeds will get a bye to the semifinals which will be that Thursday, and then Tuesday, uh, the the other games will happen. But John Carroll, right now, they're sitting at six and eight in, in conference play. Right now, they would be the seventh seed in the OAC tournament, so they would not make it right now. And uh, their their next or their makeup game of the Heidelberg game that was canceled a couple weeks ago or postponed I should say that is going to be a huge huge game for playoff implications which is the reason why it needed to be played still that's going to be made up next Monday but Heidelberg is 0-14 so yeah. you're hoping that the Blue Streaks can pick up can pick up a win there after blowing the Student Princes out by 30 plus last time out so you're hoping that they would at least go to 7-8 there and then Capital and Wilmington are both 7-8 in, in OAC play as well uh, Otterbein nine and six, so they'd get the four seed right now. Marietta eleven and four, so they're the three seed. ONU number one at thirteen and two, and then Baldwin Wallace at twelve and three. Both those teams are nationally ranked uh, as well. So that's kind of how the, the conference standings are, are, are coming out for uh, but Blue Streaks. Just hoping to sneak in as, as one of those like five or six seeds. Uh, a win over Wilmington yeah. in a couple weeks or next week would really really help their case. But it's good that. Uh, well, I mean, the Blue Streaks, their next couple games as well. Going to be tough as they are going to travel out to Ada, take the two-and-a-half-hour dr- two and a half hour drive to Ohio Northern. That'll be right after the men's game at 4 p.m. on Saturday, February 11th. And then two games straight at home, the Heidelberg Makeup Game on February 13th a Monday at 7 p.m. And then Baldwin-Wallace coming to University Heights at 7 p.m., on February 15th a Wednesday, and then they'll head to Wilmington for a doubleheader with the men's team before, and the women's team play in at 4 p.m. after. So these next four games, extremely crucial to see if the Blue Streaks can wrap up one of those five or six seeds to sneak in to this season's OAC tournament. Should be really exciting, especially with those two home games coming up, and and any time Baldwin-Wallace comes to town, it's going to be an exciting game with a— Against uh, Sherry Harris' squad, uh, who's now in her thirty fourth season as uh, as Baldwin Wallace's head coach, and uh, those, those the, and last time Baldwin Wallace was at the DeCarlo Varsity Center, they uh, they upset the Blue Streaks and they won the OAC championship last year. So uh, the upset the upset minded Blue Streaks, yeah, uh, will be we'll be playing host to them and hopefully. Gosh, hopefully they can get a win. <laughs> that'd be that'd be that'd be amazing if they if they can. Yeah, and keep that
2: keep that Wilmington game on your mind. February eighteenth, last game of the season with Wilmington, um, currently in the sixth spot ahead of JCU. That game, that game could come down to being really the season for both teams. So that one, that one might have it will, but that could be have even huger playoff implications. Yeah,
0: win and in uh, scenario. Win, win yeah. and in scenario. That one,
2: unfortunately, at Wilmington, but um, that could. Come down to all the marbles there.
0: I think it could be. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I mean, it. That's why these all of these OAC games really matter. One of the be- one of the toughest basketball conferences in all of Division three, both men's and women's. Really, they'll. I know they'll take any win. Uh, you know that is for sure. Uh, moving on to track now, men's and women's track having a, a pretty good weekend overall. And of course, as usual, Kyle Bassista has kind of split up his team at different locations. So Many of them were at. University of Ashland or Ashland University Division II school and uh, at the Judd Logan Light Giver Open and how about this breaking a school record Ethan Dimitrovich, Garrett Clark Caleb Correa and Alex Phillip they did not break the school record but they set event and venue records with their time in the DMR with a a time of 950.33 this is the same team that broke the School record in the DMR last year at Boston University, and uh, also with uh, some some other distance. Oh no, the, the big one too. By the way, before I get to the distance runners, was the four x four hundred relay as well. They uh, had that had a time of three fourteen point eight two. That that time was with uh, was set by Garrett Clark, Kale Correa, and the two freshmen Dustin Horner and Bashir Al Rami. That time is one of the best in Division Three this season. And for their efforts, both Caleb Correa and Garrett Clark were both named to the uh, as a OAC Men's Athletes of the Week in indoor track as well. The Canadian Corey Minton he ha- got first place at Ashland in the triple jump with a time with a record or a mark of fourteen point zero three. Tommy and one of the distance runners, setting an event and venue record in the 5,000-meter with a time of fifty or 1453.56. Joe Backus, All-American in cross-country, this year now back at an indoor track, the senior, 6th place in the event with a time of 1522.07 as well. How about Max Grillo, a freshman in the 800, 3rd place, was his time Former John Carroll baseball player Tyler Gast also competing In the 400 There as well And a couple of the throwers were at Mount Union's Jim Wuskey Open And Zach Safarski and Matthew Russo Leading the way with a 10 And 11 finish in the weight throw 14.9 was Safarski's mark And 14.66 Was Russo's mark As well In women's track and field, they were both at Ashland and Mount Union as well. A couple of highlights from there. Jen Masucci highlighting in the distance with the time of 18.17 in the 5,000-meter, finishing in fourth place. 11th 11th place finish for Victoria Miller in the triple jump. 10.39 was her mark. Miller, a junior from Toledo. And also Ellie Kitzmiller in the 800 finishing in ninth with a time of 2.20.94. Abby Schroff in 11th at 2.21.62 as well. Erica Esper finishing in 18th place, uh, the All-American, of course, in track. And Genevieve Arnold, ninth place in the long jump with a mark of 5.29. Also at Mount Union, some of the field events and throwers, Caroline Beery, who's had a tremendous season on the pole vault so far, third place with a mark of 3.51. Kelsey Dunn in throws, fifth place in the weight throw, 3.13.92. Kelsey coming back for her fifth year uh, as well. And Michaela Bryan tying for fourth place in the high jump, 1.53 meters. Sarah Schreff- Schreffler, her father is actually the offensive coordinator at Hillsdale College, Division II school in Michigan, where Henry Rayner on the basketball team transferred from. And basketball, she got 14th in the high jump as well. 1.33 meters was her mark. And uh, this weekend, we will uh, more men's and women's track and field athletes will be at a Grand. Some will be at Grand Valley, others will be at Baldwin Wallace. And a couple will be at Boston University, the David Henry Valentine Invitational. Uh, I believe that is probably named for Valentine's Day, which will be in just a couple days after that. Friday, Erica Esper is going to be in the 5K, as we've had her on the podcast before. And then Saturday, Alex Phillip will run the 5K. Tommy Naiman will run the 3K. And Ethan Dmitrovich will run the mile. Caleb Correa as well in the 800. So. Uh, they're shipping up to Boston, if you will, with uh, with five John Carroll runners. And then that same day, uh, or on Friday, as well, at the Grand Valley Big Meet, Division II school up near Grand Rapids in Michigan, of course. Claire Eberhardt and Abby Schroff are running. Claire in the 800 and Abby in the mile. And then the rest of the team will be at the Baldwin-Wallace mid-February meet as well. Other, also, other a couple others will be at Spire. Uh, for for a meet there, that's an early one, and starting at 9 a.m. on Saturday. Wrestling, competing against Heidelberg in a dual meet, their last dual meet of the regular season. That was back on Tuesday. They beat them by a score of 34 to three. How about the attendance for this one? 326. That's very wow. good for for a wrestling match. And if you come to the DeCarlo Varsity... and I know this was on the road at Tiffin, in Tiffin, but if you come to the DeCarlo Varsity Center. They get attendances like that at every wrestling match. John Carroll wrestling with, with a lot of great tradition and excellence. The only national championship in the history of John Carroll for any team sport belongs to the 1975 wrestling team. So they have a lot of alums and many, many former All-Americans uh, as well. A couple of highlights. Eddie Wallace winning. Perelka winning. Andrew Santagata running winning as well. Patrick McGraw, Luke Warkoski doing what they do. As always, Patrick McGraw with a lot of tech falls this year. That was uh, one of his many from this year, uh, a tech fall over uh, Heidelberg's wrestler at 157. Caden Rogers, Steph- Stefan Farian, Jesse Cannizar, and Tom Blackwell all picking up wins in uh, the later weight classes as well. And uh, the next, the next meet for... Wrestling is going to be this Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, as they'll host the the annual John Carroll Open. So the John Carroll Open, any wrestler from any school can compete in this. There's a lot of John Carroll wrestlers, of course, that that wrestle in it because they're hosting. But if you come over to the Carlo Varsity Center, there'll be wrestling mats in the, in the varsity gym, in the intramural gym, all over. And opens are good opportunities for uh, just to kind of get like a little tune-up. Uh, wrestling meet in before regionals typically opens you know they division one school uh, wrestlers can show up and, and and all that so there's there can be some good competition at these and it's bracket style for each weight class so uh, you you know you can win each one it's not like it's just a bunch of exhibition matches these these actually do count towards your record uh, in wrestling so um, it is official like an NCAA uh, meet uh, but just not no team scores just all individual. And just tuning up for Regionals in two weeks. Regionals hosted by Case Western Reserve this year in Cleveland. won't have to go too far for that. That's going to be on Friday, February 24th and 25th to see if we can get any more wrestlers to the national meet, which will be on uh, March 10th and 11th in Roanoke, Virginia, this year as well, heading south. Hopefully, Andrew Perelka, Luke Warkoski, friends of the podcast, Patrick McGraw, hopefully those guys. Can qualify for nationals, including a couple others, uh, as well in that mix. Last but certainly not least, the last sport to compete earlier this week, men's tennis. They dropped one to Walsh University, Division II school outside of Canton, seven to nothing. But they'll be back in action on February seventeenth, a Friday at Hope against Hope College from Michigan, at the Mayfield Racquet Club. Of course, and that is uh, because the tennis courts, uh, the snow has not thawed yet outside. You cannot play tennis in the snow. So you're going to have to go to the indoor club, which is where John Carroll has always hosted their tennis meets before the short tennis center was open. So Hope and then that same day against Case Western Reserve as well before they hit the road and go to Orlando for their Mm. spring break trip at the beginning of March. Same sort of deal. For women's tennis, except this weekend, they're playing the host uh, or the College of Worcester at Stowe in uh, at the tennis center in Stowe, and then they'll have about a month off before they too go on the road to Florida, just like their men's counterparts as well. Coming up next, we have an interview with Hallie Landys, Junior on the women's basketball team here at JCU. Don't want to miss this one, folks. Only on the Streak Center podcast. You're listening to Streak Center on JCUsports.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Streak Center JCU to stay up to date on guests, episodes, and more. Now, let's get back to the show. And joining us now here on the Streak Center podcast is Hallie Landy, a junior on the women's basketball team here at John Carroll. Hallie, really, really happy that you're on for your first time as well.
3: Yes, thank you for having me.
0: So I know for you guys overall this year, I mean, just lost a heartbreaker by one point to Otterbein on Wednesday. and. It's just been more of an up and down year. I mean, with the eleven and ten record, um, you know, how how is it that you guys have remained positive, uh, you know, throughout this up and down year, especially after you know going to the NCAA tournament and having that real uh, run of success with the dynasty and all that before?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, a big thing that we kind of talked about this year is like, what is your why? Like, why are you playing basketball? Why are you on this team? And why are you committed to John Carroll? Pretty much, and I feel like. In this home stretch of the season, kind of we're in right now, I feel like my why really is like, I'm never going to be able to play with the same team again. Like, I'm never going to be able to be on the court with Jay, um, Kalen, and Christina ever again. So I'm just really taking in these little moments with them. And I just hope we can string it together come these last couple games so we can make it into playoffs.
0: You mentioned, I mean, you mentioned the older. People and I mean Christina's a Passarelle. She's a grad transfer from Washington St. Louis. So really, I mean, you just have Kalen and Jalen as the as the two seniors on the team. A very very young team: seven freshmen, five sophomores, and two transfers. Of course, Angela Vidantonio with uh, Christina Passarelle. But you know, how is it that you know you as one of the older players on the team? How has it been uh, for you mentoring you know some of these younger players too?
3: I think that, um, I'm naturally a leader just growing up. Like I've always found that to kind of be my role. Um, I do like kind of the responsibility role. I feel like I just am able to reach people in that kind of way. Um, And I do have a loud voice, so that helps, too. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I think that these freshmen who came in, they've been so awesome, and they're quick learners, too. Like, they really have just bought into our system and the way we kind of do things. So, they've made it easy on us all, too, because they really just, they're they're listening all the time, and they just really soak in everything that us older girls say. And how what
0: are some ways that you guys uh, have developed throughout the season being being such a young team i think from from where you where you guys started to now where you guys are now
3: yeah i think um i kind of talked about it before but i really think that it was a struggle at first like learning how to play with each other because honestly like The only people who really got time last year were Jay and Kalen. So everyone else, this is, like, brand new. Like, we're playing basketball for the first time. Um, So I think it was hard in the beginning kind of, like, figuring out what everyone's tendencies were. But now that, like, we've been playing together all season, like – I know that, like, Helen likes to slip a screen or, like, Jay will, like, push me through or she'll, like, fake the handoff. So I think, like, getting to play with these girls more and more has been able to, like, help us develop better as a team as the season's gone on. And
0: I I touched on it briefly about the team from last year and how you guys, you know, you were on it last year, didn't, didn't get a lot of playing time, but... You know, you had a lot of fifth years, like Mm -hmm. Nicole Heffington and Olivia Nagy and Abby Adler and all them. Was there anything in particular that you learned from them um, last year that has translated to this year?
3: I think that I learned how to be a great leader from them. I think that their experience really, like, shown through their actions and by what they would say to kind of help build us younger girls and really just transfer the culture of John Carroll basketball to us now, like, it's really carried over in everything that I've learned from them.
0: Passing of the torch, yes. uh, yeah. for, for, for sure. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Um. So you started your freshman year uh, out at Ashland. You played for them. They just won a, a national title in Division Two the year before. Transferring now uh, to John Carroll after the COVID year, so 2021. So last year was your first year here. Yes. You know, with a lot of family here uh, that you that you've had uh, at, at John Carroll as well. Multiple cousins and and aunts and uncles and parents of course uh, went here. Mm-hmm. You know what were what were the reasons for. I guess, choosing John Carroll to to come to.
3: Yeah, I think that definitely the family, the family is a big part. Um, my dad always just talked about how much he loved it here. And I had been here like once or twice before, too. Um, but I think really when I came on my visit after talking to Beth and just being here and touring the campus and meeting some of the girls, like I just knew this was where I was meant to be. And it was kind of like, you know, perfect in a sense and very special because my dad had been here and. I have had so many other uncles and cousins who've been here. So just to carry on that John Carroll legacy is really important to me.
0: Now, did any of your family, and we'll, we'll talk about uh, your, your great uncle Sig uh, pretty soon, <laughs> but did any of your other family play sports here?
3: Not that I know okay. of. Mhm. Um, My dad was kind of a brainiac. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what did he major in?
3: Uh, he some kind of math and finance. He was a double major. He okay. was he was the math guy. That trait <laughs> didn't really carry on to me. But <laughs> <laughs> well, what's your what's your major? My major is criminology and psychology okay. with concentrations in forensics. Okay. Any any future plans after that? Yeah, I would love to be in the FBI one day. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Also, well, uh, speaking of your dad, Stuart. Uh, so you played softball under him
3: at chardon and you thought
0: about playing college softball as well what was it like playing for your father in, in a sport like softball and then you know what were the reasons for choosing basketball in college
3: you know i feel like growing up playing softball with my dad i mean he coached me since i was like five or six years old um and that just like has been a huge part of my relationship with my dad and some of those memories I have on the softball field with him are the best memories I've ever had like they're the most special to me and I'll never forget them it was honestly such a hard decision with whether I was going to play basketball or softball I mean you can ask anyone in my family like I mean that decision really took a toll on me for a long time like I really could not decide but one day I just like kind of knew that basketball was going to be my route Um, and it was tough because it was like right before I tore my first ACL And so I was like a little bit discouraged after that, but I knew that it was time I needed to just focus on one thing, and that sport was going to be basketball.
0: Geez, so I mean, you had, yeah, like you said, that ACL injury, and Mm -hmm. uh, you tore another ACL too, or? Yeah, so I
3: tore my first one right before the junior season started, and then I rehabbed and got back, and then right before my senior year started, I retore the same one, and then I went back to get cleared right before my season at Ashland and he still said there was something wrong so I had my third surgery in October of 2020 and then that one was like a couple months recovery so I was cleared in like the end of December I think so yeah I mean I was out almost a full two and a half years
0: and 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 how was that mentally on you as well yeah how'd you handle it
3: it was obviously tough mentally but like playing college basketball never really like left my mind. Like I always knew that no matter what happened, like I was going to end up playing college basketball. Um, and I had like the best support system, like my trainer, my parents, my coaches, my teammates, like everyone was just like there for me throughout the whole thing. And oh, my physical therapist too, man, I was at physical therapy five days out of the week. Like (laughs) I was there all the time. Um, but I just made great relationships with them too. And you know, everyone just helped me stay positive and get through it. So I just can't thank them enough.
0: And I want to, I want to ask you a little bit about high school too, which was at Chardon and uh, for the Hilltoppers. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I've never really, I've never been out to uh, the high school or anything like that, but I, I do know some Chardon kids and They seem to have a lot of pride for uh, for the high school and the town and all that. So where where does all that pride come from uh, for Chardon?
3: Yeah, I mean Chardon gets like a lot of hate from surrounding schools, but I think (laughs) it's just because we're really good at sports um, and we're very focused on you know what we want to accomplish. I think that the culture that I kind of grew up in around Chardon Hilltoppers. I mean, my whole family was Hilltoppers. Like uh, all of my dad's side of the family went to Chardon, and I think that them being alumni from Chardon really, like, has made it, again, special to be from Chardon. Like, I'm just proud to be a Hilltopper.
0: (laughs) Excellent football team there as well. Two-time – or – They've won two state championships, I think, in the last three years as well. The first
3: state championship team my uncle was actually on. Oh, wow. Yeah, back in the 80s or 90s, yeah.
0: Gosh, there was a coach that was there for a long time, too, I think, back then. I think you're right. It's one of those, like, they've only had three coaches since 1969 or something like the Steelers (laughs) uh, a little bit as well. But I touched on it a little bit earlier about your uncle, great-uncle Sig Yes.
3: And I
0: know you told me before you've never met him, but... Just for the view, the listening audience out there, Sig was a member of uh, the class of 1951, and he played football for four years. And he was Don Shula and Carl of two of the greatest uh, John Carroll football players of all time. He was their main offensive lineman. He was also, a, also inducted into the John Carroll Athletic Hall of Fame uh, in the late 1960s. Uh, is there? He was drafted in the sixth round by the Green Bay Packers, by the way, too, if that's something you didn't know I about. I did not know that. He did not play in a regular season game, though, Okay, uh, in 1951. Uh, but And he served in the U.S. Navy later. Um, is there anything that you know about him, just from stories or, or anything like that, that your family shared?
3: Not really. Um, my, I know that he's my mom's great-uncle, so he's mm-hmm. my great-great-uncle. Um, I think that he passed away before she met him as well. But I know that my mom talked to her aunt about him, and they said that he loved John Carroll, and he was quite the athlete. So,
0: <laughs> very good. And uh, I want I want to talk about you and your season as well. I mm-hmm. are uh, talking to Hallie Landy's junior on the women's basketball team. You've started in eleven of the past twelve games after coming off the bench at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a lot of productive games then, but now working your way into the lineup. What have what has it been for you specifically to uh, that you've done to get better throughout the season to earn that spot in the starting lineup?
3: Yeah, I think um, just a lot of hard work paying off, uh, getting those extra reps in the gym, getting on the shooting gun, and just kind of, I mean, like I said, I hadn't really played junior year, or senior year of high school. Then at Ashland, I only got in like a couple games, and last year I only got in a couple games. So this is like my first real year of playing competitive basketball since my sophomore year of high school. Like that's, I mean that was five years ago so it's it's a lot to go back and like think about that but I think that kind of I just had to get used to the game again like I had to get used to being on a court getting used to you know playing with other people again and kind of get my basketball IQ back in a sense so I think that the first couple games like helped me do that and now that we're like kind of in this home stretch I've kind of like settled down and I know my role.
0: And I want to ask you too about the two new assistants on the team, Kelsey Michaels and Mark Mark uh, Mike Marcinko, uh, who are new additions. Of course, uh, last year we you had Bob Boer, uh, who who is who's kind of retired, I guess, uh, from from JCU, and then uh, also, uh, oh my gosh. I'm thinking Michaela Barnes from two years ago, but uh, <laughs> it was um, Casey
3: Carter. Yeah, that's year. that's
0: right, Carter. Yes, yeah. K- yeah, Carter played at Michigan State uh, as well. But you know how how have they been um, to help with with not only you but the team's development this year?
3: Yeah, Kelsey and Mike are honestly awesome. I've actually known Kelsey for a while. Mm. Um, she coached my sister's AAU team growing up, and then I kind of worked like a couple camps with her at TNBA because that was my AAU program as well. Mm. But she's awesome. She's like our hype man. She really has, like, all the energy in the world, and she just brings it every day. Um, And Mike is just the best. I honestly love him so much. He pulls me aside every halftime and is like you're good kid like if I've missed a couple shots like he's always the one who's like get out of your head and keep shooting and then even after some games he'll like go back and watch film and be like here's what you did wrong here or here's when like here's a shot when you didn't set your feet like he's just there for me and he's just in my corner and I just really appreciate him.
0: And final question for you Hallie uh just what well, and I know I mentioned before, you guys are 11 and 10, kind of in the middle of the pack of the OAC right now. But what's it going to take these last couple games? I mean, Ohio, uh, yeah, Ohio Northern this weekend, mm-hmm. and then back to back with Baldwin Wallace uh, as well, two of the top teams in the country now. Yeah. And then you got Wilmington to close out the regular season, who you guys lost to uh, at the first time you guys played them. What's it going to take these last three games to gain some momentum before uh, the OAC tournament in two weeks?
3: Yeah, I think. We really just have to play together and just string a couple good things together. We got to get like a lot of stop score stops and just everyone needs to play composed and we just got to have each other's backs even when things go wrong. I mean playing against two top in the country teams like things are going to go wrong. They're going to score. We know that but we just got to stay together and just string together the little things so we can fight back against them and I just I think we have it in us. We just got to believe it.
0: Hallie Landis, Jr. on the women's basketball team. Hallie, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, best of luck the rest of the season.
3: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You're listening
0: to Streak Center on JCUsports.com. For the latest news on all things JCU Sports. follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at JCUsports, or visit JCUsports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. And a big thank you to Hallie Landis for coming on the Streak Center podcast, making her Streak Center debut. I thought Hallie did an A plus job, great answers, and and a great personality as well. Uh, Hallie is, and I know it's just been an up and down year for women's basketball. Just that dynasty, you know, and I, you know, some things. It's just like all good things must come to an end, and and unfortunately, just with with all the players that graduated and and whatnot, uh, just this year it's just been a little down, but. That doesn't mean that these guys can come back and um, you know just continue to grow and and develop uh, some of the younger players for uh, next year and the in the years to come. So I know Beth Andrews in her third year uh, now she's getting a lot of her own recruits in, and uh, it, it should be it should be a good next. They should definitely see some more signs of improvement in the next few years. But they got to worry about this year. they got to make sure that they get into the OAC tournament first because getting some postseason experience, especially for the younger players, I think would, would pay dividends for the future as well. Last thing I wanted to mention before we close out this edition of Streak Center, I want to talk about this week's Super Bowl. In Arizona, Eagles versus Chiefs and the Blue Streaks have four people connected with John Carroll in the super bowl this now marks uh, they've they've had a guy in every super bowl since super bowl 51 so since 2017 the blue streaks have had at least one representative in the super bowl this year four dave caldwell class of 1996 he is a personnel executive with the philadelphia eagles former general manager of the jacksonville jaguars as well also for the eagles jared kilburn a scout for Philadelphia, class of 2014, former backup quarterback as well for John Carroll. And then Joe Casper. He is not an alum. He went to Baldwin-Wallace. However, he did coach the wide receivers at John Carroll in his lone season in University Heights in 2017. So he is with the Eagles now as a, as kind of like a quality control coach as well. And then Jalen Myrick, the one representative for Kansas City class of 2019, former sports information department employee and also a scouting intern for the Indianapolis Colts. When he was in uh, when he was here at John Carroll, also played football for a year. So he is now a, a scout for Kansas City, but John Carroll as always very well represented in the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl tradition goes way back I mean, you can go on our website jcsports.com to check out all the other you know uh, since Super Bowl 3 that was Don Shula when he was the coach for the Baltimore Colts in the Joe Namath guarantee game that was the first time that the Blue Streaks ever had a representative in the Super Bowl so it goes back to 1969 and uh, so it's just continuing our NFL tradition and our our wonderful Super Bowl tradition as well
2: (laughs) Um. Yes, something, something cool to add, Noah. Um. Obviously, there's been a long-standing tradition of streaks in the NFL, but also that tradition of streaks in the Super Bowl. Um. So some cool numbers. This is the fifth consecutive Super Bowl with a blue streak, earning a ring. Um. Yeah, and
0: are earning a ring, yes. Well, they will be,
2: well, they mm-hmm. will be earning a ring. But, uh,
0: right, it's it guaranteed. Yeah, yeah,
2: guaranteed with right. Mayeric on the Chiefs side and the three on the Eagles. So a streak will be running, winning a ring this year, which will be awesome. Um. This is the seventh consecutive Super Bowl with one or more blue streaks. 26 individuals with the JCU ties to reach a Super Bowl. 27 out of 57 Super Bowls with the JCU have had a JCU representative, and there have been 72 appearances by Blue Streaks in the Super Bowl. So this really just goes to show that not only is there a deep tradition of streaks in the NFL, but a tradition of streaks winning in the NFL and um, reaching the Super Bowl.
0: Always, always good to watch, and uh, just a big spectacle. Uh, and I want to—I mean, you know what? I want to end. I want to end with this. What is? Do you guys have a team that you guys think is going to win the Super Bowl on Sunday? What's your prediction?
2: Ah, uh, so I'm a Bills fan. I'm from Buffalo. Of course, this is, this is an unpopular, very unpopular opinion, but I kind of, I kind of hope the Eagles win the Super Bowl. Obviously, the Bills have had that rivalry with the Chiefs, but the Chiefs have won it before, and I don't. <laughs> I'd, I'd be fine if they won well, it again. So have the Eagles. Yeah, so have the Eagles. But yeah. the Eagles won in 2018. I'm, I'm a jealous Buffalo sports fan. If they, if they get another one, and obviously I'm not. Eagle, e- Philly sports fans kind of, kind of make me annoyed. So I don't, I don't <laughs> want to see them win it. But that's that's an unpopular opinion among Bills fans. But I, obviously, I, I, as Christian McCaffrey said the other day, I just want both teams to lose. But <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I, I don't. I don't, I'm not really polling for the Eagles, but i prefer them, them to win it over the Chiefs.
0: Well How about you, Danny? What do you yeah. think?
2: The mindset
1: I've kind of had my whole life is I don't root for a team. I root for a good game. Okay. <laughs> Just root for the entertainment value, which has – there's been a lot of good Super Bowls yeah. in my lifetime. But I guess if I had to choose a team, I think it would be interesting if the Chiefs were to win. Just because th- I've seen this argument that if Patrick Mahomes – people are already declaring him Hall of Fame – or could rival Tom Brady as the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't think he'll ever get to Brady's level, but if he wants to make give himself an argument, he's gotta start stacking rings. So I think it could be interesting development in the coming years to see if Mahomes can start adding to his total.
0: Look, you got a head coach for Kansas City who's been there before. This will be his fourth Super Bowl that he's appeared in in Andy Reid. And you got a fairly young staff on Philadelphia uh, Nick Sirianni, Mount Union graduate that's as well. No
3: reason
0: not to root for Philly. And I, <laughs> right, right, from a John Carroll perspective. But I, I'm just thinking the inex- and I know Philly's had a really good year, but just I think it's going to come down to coaching. I think that's what a lot of Super Bowls come down to. And I just think that Andy Reid's staff and company, since they've been there before, I, I really think that's going to play a big factor. And I, I see the Chiefs winning. I'm not saying that it's going to be a blowout, but I think it's still going to be a good game, but I think in the end, the Chiefs will win based on just more experience in the coaching staff. I just Siriani being there for the first time, especially in just his second year as well. We saw Zach Taylor in his second year last year. They lost the Super Bowl. I mean, so I just think that, you know, the coach, Andy Reid, with more experience as a head coach, will get the job done, and, and Mahomes will win his second Super Bowl. And Andy Reid will go down, and he's, he is, but will uh, officially be cemented as one of the all time great coaches as well. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. Rihanna is doing the halftime show as well. It's going to be on Fox there at 6.30 p.m. out in the beautiful desert of Arizona. Make sure to check out JCUsports.com for all the latest John Carroll sports updates. Also, follow Streak Center on Twitter. Yes, we do have a Twitter, folks, at Streak Center JCU. We're trying, I'm doing my best to try to get these podcasts up Onto a Spotify link or, or some sort of podcast network kind of link, but right now we're just we're just having the link out on uh, through a through a link on JCUsports.com website. But I'm working on it. It's it's a, it's a really it's kind of a hard task, harder than I thought it would be getting uh, this RSS feed and, and all this other stuff out there. So I'm working on it for you guys though, and uh, but we really appreciate your support. Of course, us in our sixth season streak Center was founded in the spring of 2018 so yeah coming on six years now and uh, it's been really enjoyable I'm glad to get Danny and, and Brendan Danny your first episode getting him in the mix and uh, it's it's been a real honor and joy to to share this with you folks with interviews and 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 our I guess, uh, our insights and our takes on John Kiro athletics as well. Thank you again, folks, for tuning in. Make sure to tune in next week only on the Story Center Podcast.